Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Well, hey everyone, good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Are you doing good? I don't believe you at this point. Is everybody doing all right? Yeah, yeah good, good, good. Hey, it's good to see you in service this morning. Uh, we, I gotta say, I was up late. We took the little ones, I don't know if I should say this, but we took the little ones out trick-or-treating last night and had a blast. Hope you had a good weekend so far as well. It seems like we're in this like cycle to where, like, once Wednesday and Thursday comes around to the week, you can just bet, best bet that the rain's going to be there and it's just going to be raining and all that. So hopefully you've been staying dry and all and, and your, your spirits are up. You're in a good place this morning because in just a moment, you've guessed it, we are going to go to James. We're in the book of James where we've been going verse by verse through James's writing, and this week, I had to go back and like count the weeks that we've been in James, because it seems like we've been here for a while. So if you're new to us around here, we'll, we'll get to other, other sermon content and all that soon, but over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at James's writing as, uh, as um, he reaches out and writes to fellow Jewish believers in his day. So, if you're with me, give me a yeah this morning. Good, good, good. I want to say hi to those online as well. I know we have some travelers that are driving back from wherever you're, you're at. I just want to say hello to you, and thanks for the text this morning and all that. I'm super grateful that you're joining us right where you're at in the car. We're grateful for it. So if you have your Bibles, go with me. James chapter 4. Well, that's where we're going to be looking at today. Where Gene left us off last week, we, we ended in, in verse 10. But I want to kind of set the stage as we do each and every week when we come to James. Because I know some of us kind of come in and out of church on, on, on the Sundays. And um, I get it. There might be some time and some distance between the last time you showed up and we've been in James. So I kind of want to set some context before we get into this morning James, he is, uh, he's the one that we're looking at, and he is, if you're unfamiliar, he's the half-brother of Jesus. We know that from, from study, James did not initially believe that his half-brother Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah, until there was this after the, the resurrection, post-resurrection, Jesus appears to James, and I'm, I'm sure the, the conversation was way more profound than this, but I'm, in, in my mind, I would like to think Jesus comes to James and be like, James, yo, bro, it's me. Like, I'm back, I'm alive. I am who I said I am. And him, James, I'm like, can you imagine like seeing this and like, again, your, your sibling, the one that you, that you thought, no way, is this the Messiah? Here he's standing in front of you after you probably have seen him, you know, suffer his death and burial and all that. And he'd be like, I, don't, I mean, what would you say? Like, bro, like, I, 
I'm so sorry. Like, I, I don't know what I would say, but I can imagine in my head that it kind of went like that. And so there on, James becomes this radical follower of Jesus. He, he actually is pretty instrumental in leading the, the, the early church, if you will. And so James, he puts pen to paper and writes what we know as one of the earliest letters written in the New Testament. And so the reason that he writes is that his audience is believing Jews who most likely were forced to kind of go on the run for what they believed. And what we've come to know about this letter and over the past weeks is that James, as he's writing this, as he's writing to fellow believers, as he's even writing for us today as we're studying it, that James, his language that he uses is, is pretty direct. It's like, forgive me, I don't know each and every one of your, your, your dads or your father figures in your life. I know this could be a pain point for some, but imagine James sits down at the dining room table and either your dad or somebody you look to as a father figure sits down and, and has like one of those like, you know, like one of those talks, right? Like, did you know you messed up? What's going on? And so James, he comes at this letter with a real direct message to it. And I'm sure that these believers and who he was writing to, all they wanted to do was kind of settle down in life, enjoy a quiet, peaceful existence. But as you know, there's trials, there's conflicts that have a way of finding you no matter what season you are in. Can I get a witness, right? That happens. And so this letter, if you can imagine with me, has this fatherly tone. And I, I, I hope if you've been with us, you've picked up on that over the weeks. And so to help these followers keep going, to keep following the way of Jesus, James, he, he writes these words of like, stay the course, because it's easier to become discouraged and give up or just blend in or go with the flow. And I wanna realize and, and understand that there are some of us in this building that as we are looking at the context and who James is writing to, that some of us would say, you know what, Jordan, I'm not a believer in Jesus. Like, I'm just checking this whole church thing out. Like, maybe you've grown up in church, but you haven't fully surrendered or submitted your life over to Jesus. And, and this morning, I wanna say that these words could be a sneak peek into the life of what it would look like if you submitted to following Jesus. And so these words are for all of us this morning. If you're looking for a title, if you're a note taker, the, the title this morning, well, it's really one of a question that as I've read through these verses that we're about to jump into, it's the question I, I believe God was asking me, and, and I believe any speaker on this stage would say this exact thing, is that whatever you're about to speak on really becomes evident in your own life. And I've said that, you know, time and time again as I've stood on this stage, and so if, many are other speakers and pastors, and I think this is especially true. It's, it's the question I know that God was asking me is like, where are you leaving me out? And so I wanna ask you the question, where are you leaving God out? And so that's kind of the, the framework in which we're kind of look through these verses, because whether it's your daily walk, whether it's in your routines, your planning, I believe at some point, and there are times in our lives where we have the propensity to sideline God, that there are areas of our lives that have become like this do not enter zone with God. And so with that in mind, let's jump into chapter four. We're going to start in verse 11 this morning. If you have your Bibles, flip to it. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version. So uh, what's on screen is that it may be different than what your Bible is, but it says this, 
Brothers and sisters, do not slander anyone. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but you are sitting in judgment on it. But there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say to, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on in business, make money. Verse 14, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow, James writes. He goes on to say, what is your life? You are but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, whew, here it is. It is a sin for them. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I just, um, once again, thank you for this, this space and this place that uh, we can come in and um, take an opportunity to, one, worship you, to sing back praises, two, to pray for those in this community. And then three, God, is what we're about to embark on is opening your, your word and your truth. And God, I pray that just as you spoke to me this past week and all of my ups and downs, I know that there are many in this room that are facing ups and downs as well. And um, God, I just pray that this word just truly sticks in this place, that it's a sticky word this morning, that we could go out of this place with encouragement to step back into our, our weeks that are in front of us. Lord, thank you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. I don't know if you know this, but in my some 36 years that I've been on this earth, I have to say that every time I'm up here because at some point I hope God hears me and we can just hit the pause button and I stay at this age. Anybody with me? Anybody wanna stay at your age? Okay, nope, you all are liars. Thank you, Emily, appreciate it. They're all liars, all the rest of them are liars at this point. But what I've come to know is that in my 36 years, y'all, we're complex. Humanity is complex. Like, think about this for a moment. The, the dreams and the desires you have, the, the fears, the ambitions that we tend to carry in this life, what, all those things create this intricate web for us. And in the midst of that web of those choices, those dreams, those desires, those fears, the ambitions that we have, God is there and he's waiting for an invitation to come into our lives and lead. See, I don't believe this is just a me thing this morning. But this is a tension that's inside of us all. It's a tension that I, I've, I, I've heard and I had to go back and find us. It's like we have access to this infinite wisdom in life. We have access to this infinite wisdom, but oftentimes what we do 
is that we choose this finite understanding. What we saw last week as James brought it, or as Gene brought us into chapter four, we saw that pride will not get us where we're going. Pride will not get us where we are going. And you've, you've heard it said before that pride really convinces us, you and I, that our dependency in those moments rests fully upon us. And we become less and less dependent on God. Gene left off in verse 10 where James encouraged us. He says, humble yourselves. Humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And see, when we humble ourselves, really it's recognizing once again that our dependence is not upon ourselves. It's not the ways in which, um, you know, if, if, if I do well in business or if you do well in business or you have that specific friend group or if you're able to get within that group of people, it's to recognize our dependence on God. And when we, when we recognize the things in our lives that separate us from God, I'm gonna call those sin, and we turn, turn our feet and go the opposite way towards, towards God, that we're given a promise that there's a closeness there with God. And we know, we know that we know, the Bible talks about it time and time again, that from that closeness, that there's this restoration that happens inside of us, that we become back to our true identity, that there's this restoration in us and it begins, there begins protection and promise over our lives. It's in that humility when we humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord is where I'm reminded once again that is where we find our true strength. I don't have to go out there searching for, for classes to better myself. It's when I humble myself to God is where my true strength rises up and, and where you can shine. And, and that's where we come to in these next couple of verses as, as we're looking to James. He's, again, reminding you, he's writing fellow followers of Jesus. And he says, hey, guys, I see that you're making plans and for, for your life. Like, that's awesome. I see that you're living life. Like, cool. But as I've been kind of hearing and watching, can I just ask, like, it looks like you're leaving out God in a lot of these areas. I see you're making plans. I see you're hanging out. I see you're your, your kiddos or your little ones, they're in all the sports and that's awesome. But can I just ask, where's God in all of it? And I think that's the all important question for our lives as followers of him is, is where is our dependence on God? I think this is the very tension that James is really speaking to through these these fellow believers, that he saw people around him becoming so engrossed in their, in their daily life, making judgments as, 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 we, as we saw, speaking ill of those around them. Sure, they were planning trips, they were doing business deals. 
But also what was happening is that they were subtly sidelining God in the process. And we see it today in our culture, in our life. We don't have to go outside of like this area to, to experience and feel that. The, the race to post all of our highlights on social media, the hustle to climb some sort of ladder of success, the desire to become the best versions of ourselves, right? That when we do that, we become the, we, we risk becoming the directors of, of our own story. What happens, we tend to sideline the ultimate author in the process. When we write the script, when our hand is on the keyboard or the, the pen, if you will, time and time again I've seen it with my life, is that it becomes all about me and less about he. And I just wanna be real with you. I just wanna set the stage that just because we're here on this, this stage that there isn't true life and, and hardships that happens even within my family. And we can so easily come into this place and play church, have a get together and leave this place and still have the same struggles, same heartaches, same hardships, same, same mindset. And I don't believe that's where I want to continue to stay, and I hope you don't either. And that's what James is speaking to, but here's where it gets tricky. Sidelining God isn't always glaring. It's not always obvious in our lives. It's subtle. It's not like we wake up on a Monday and be like, you know what, God? Not today. Nope, sorry. But more often, it's, it's the subtle. It's we begin penciling in our time with God, our opening up his word, our Bible reading, our praying, our the, you know, I, I think what the Lord is really uh, uh, looking upon me right now is like, what am I listening to as I'm driving kids to sports? Like, what, what is coming into me? And so often, I've gotten sidetracked from uh, messages or listening to the Bible, worship music, But what James is getting at is that in our humanity, us as human beings, we do have the propensity to feel like we can figure it all out on our own. That we're the masters of our own fate, that we've got it all together. But look how he starts in verse 11 here. He's, he, says, he says, brothers and sisters. Who he's writing to is, is really the family He's writing to the family of God. He's saying, hey, hey, remember like this bond that we all share in Jesus? Remember that we're all family here. And so from that being that we're family, what does family do? Well, we don't slander one another. We don't speak ill of one another. Because anyone who speaks against a brother or sister, what ends up happening is that we judge them. And when you judge when you judge the law, you're, you're not keeping it, but you're, you're sitting in judgment on it. Yeah, we could, we understand when, uh, when we come against somebody else and speak out or speak ill against somebody else. Like, like James is concerned with that. 
But also he goes a little bit deeper. It's more than just talking trash about your neighbor, okay? Now, daggone it, they haven't picked up their leaves yet that they're in my yard. I don't have a tree in my yard, y'all. And I got all their leaves in my yard. Krista knows. I, I get so upset. They need to come over here and mow my yard, rake my yard. James isn't necessarily, I mean, sure, he's concerned with talking crap about your neighbor and their leaves, their trees. But it isn't just about words is what he's saying. What, he, what he's going to get at and what we'll see over the next couple of verses is that there's a theme. Really what he's speaking to is, is a posture, is a position within our hearts. It's about the throne that we tend to put ourselves on. When we decide to not only use the words against somebody else, but then judge, that we become the judge, we become then the jury, we become the executioner who says, this is the sentence for them. What happens is a power trip, right? And it's the cycle that we go through and a lot of times it can feel so good, we can feel so justified in our attempts, right? Like I said, I don't have a tree in my yard. I shouldn't have any leaves in my yard. I feel like I have the right to be mad and be frustrated and cast judgment, right? I know that's silly, but still, I, it's something I got worked up about. And, but we always like to think that we know better. And I'm here to tell you, y'all, that's a slippery slope to go down. That's scary. But come on, if... For followers of Jesus, that we're a community where instead of judgment, there's encouragement. Instead of slander, there's uplifting. See, that is the heartbeat that God wants us to partner with him. That's where he wants to be involved in our lives. Not on the fringes, but right at the core of who we are and what comes out of our mouth and what's in our thoughts. Because God is calling us to this radical love. I, I remember it's, it's been a couple weeks ago, but Brenda spoke on um, the royal uh, law of love. And that's what James is still coming back to over and over, to be his hands, to be his feet. Because if our hands are too busy pointing at the neighbor with the tree who doesn't have any leaves in their yard, or our feet are so easily rushing to conclusions, like honestly, like, where is the love in all that? And what James is pointing to is, well, Jordan, well, church, will restore to those online, this is, this is about our heart. It's a heart check. So where are you leaving God out? Is it, are you leaving him out of your speech? Are you leaving him out of, of your thoughts about others. Verse 12, he says it this way. Now, don't go so far in this. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but who are you? Say it with me. One, one two, three. Who are you? You got to do it with that type of like, who are you? I think that's kind of what James is doing here. Again, he's, he's coming at that dinner table and he's wanting to have that talk with you. Jordan, who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? 
He says there's only one lawgiver, one judge, and I'm going to set the stage and do a spoiler alert for us all. It's not you. It's not you. It's not you in the back. It's not you guys in the balcony. And it's definitely not me. It's the one who crafted the, the cosmos, set the stars in the sky, the one who parted the seas and the dry land, the one who, who brought animals and birds and so that grass would grow, the one who knows the number of hairs on your head, the one who, who, who gave everything to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. And if he in all his majesty and all of his power chooses grace and love over judgment, then what gives us the audacity to choose otherwise, right? See, the beauty in this verse of what, uh, verses 11 and 12 isn't, isn't necessarily in the rebuke or the scolding that James is giving us. It's in the reminder, the reminder that he is the ultimate judge. And guess what? It goes on to say that he is also our savior. He holds the power to save and destroy, the Bible says. But what did he do? He chose to save us. He chose to save you. And how humbling is that? I know, I know. There's this tension that happens inside of us all. In our humanity, like it likes to trick me to think that I have the right to judge, but every time I go to point fingers at whoever it is, I'm forgetting the essence of God's law. It's love. When we're stepping into judgment, not only are we sidelining God and leaving God out of that whole process, but we're also forgetting the grace that has been displayed to us. That's the beauty of our faith, is understanding the one who parted the seas, who knows the number of hairs on your head, chooses love and grace over judgment for each and every one of us. And who are we to deny that same love to others? So where are we leaving God out of? I think James is asking all of us. It could be in the very places and spaces. It could be in every conversation where love isn't part of it, where love isn't present. And I don't know about you, as I stand on this stage, I, I want it to invite him in. James goes on in verse 13, he says, now listen, you say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on with business, make money, come on. Like, seems, seems pretty good so far, right? There's a little bit of travel in there, not staying tied down too long, and we're making money in the process. This sounds like the dude, this sounds like we're winning at this point. But he goes on in verse 14. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are but a mist. Another, another translations say a vapor. Our life is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then 
it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say in verse 15, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now I know this gets a little bit more challenging for us because you might say with verses 11 and 12, you might say, well, Jordan, okay, it sounds like you deal with judgment and it sounds like you deal with a little bit of slander and a little bit of gossip. That ain't me. I don't, I don't play in that, in that game. I'd say, cool, that's awesome. But maybe this hits home for you. But let me ask the same question that I asked myself. It was actually two weeks ago at this point. Does God ever say no to you? Let me say that again. Does God ever say no to you? And if he does, when was the last time that he did? Because if it's been a long time, you can't think of the answer quite that quick. Maybe because it's really not an option in your life. And that really hit home with me. Meaning that <laughs> we're the captain of our own ship. You look at verse 13 and it's like James, as he's writing this, he kind of takes like a snapshot of what our lives even look like today. We, we live in a world that celebrates the plans, the self-made plans, where the mantra is like, you just got to believe in yourself. If you just manifest it. Yo, just follow your heart. Go with your emotions. So immersed in the daily grind, the keeping up, the hustle, the relentless pursuit of more. And we've all been there, right? Like, like we're all planners for the most part. I've got a wife who, like, we are booked out for, like, months at this point. It is wild what she puts on our calendar. I would, I would love to put on the screen and be like, look at all the little dots on every day of our lives at this point because we just keep adding stuff to our calendar. We have our calendars. We have apps. There are apps to make us more productive in a day, which they're good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking those. We've got our five-year goals. Hopefully, maybe you do. Don't ask me what mine are right now. It would be a, an absolute mess. We have our bucket list, things that we want to do before this age or before next year. But James is nudging us here. He's asking us to, to take a pause, if you will, and to, hey, church, we need to recalibrate. He's pointing out that there's this underlying assumption for our lives that there's this belief that we have full control over tomorrow. That's what James is pointing to when he says today or tomorrow, there's this assumption that you and I have of there's this like certainty that we're just gonna wake up tomorrow and it's gonna be Monday and it's gonna be great. And we have this and this and this and this and this to do. That's Monday. Like we're promised uh, another day or another year. But the heart check is that if, if we're not careful in that planning, in, in that calculated planning, if you will, for tomorrow or five years from now, that may never come. We risk the moments where God is orchestrating setting up moments right here in the now, right there in front of you. 
The truth about God is that he's a God of the now. He's a God of the now. And, you know, he wants the best for you and your future. Don't get me wrong, but he is setting up moments in your life, even today, for you to step into. He's just not waiting for you in your future, or you in five years from now. He's standing beside you even in this moment today. I was driving out yesterday. I had to go pick up coffee for the church here and was thinking about my message as I was driving along and I'm, I'm super infatuated right now with all the tree colors and the changing of seasons. Like obviously it happens every year. I'm not that naive to it, okay? But this year, the colors have just been so much more vibrant. And so my eye has picked up on it, and I was thinking, why does God make the now so vibrant, so immediate? And guess what? Why does he make the future so blurry? Have you ever thought about that? Like the now, I can see you. I can see what you're wearing. I can see if you're, if you're jiving with me or if your arms are crossed. If your arms are crossed, I'm just going to say, I always think that you're not liking what we have to say, so... Maybe uncross your arms. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. kidding. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Pastor Gene's coming back next week. Don't worry. It's all going to be good. But why does the future look so blurry? Could it be that he's drawing our eyes to the present? To the what and the, to the who that is in front of you? Because in reality, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know if we're promised tomorrow. I mean, look at verse 14. He says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What is your life? Tomorrow is unpredictable. Tomorrow's not promised. But in that unpredictability lies the beauty of faith. That the dependence on God who sees beyond today and tomorrow. And that's what James is getting at. That's what he's talking about. That is there's this, this surrendering. And I want to tell you that there is so much beauty in that surrender. And in that word, you might feel like, Jordan, that just sounds like defeat. That just sounds like giving up. But in God's economy, surrender isn't about losing. Y'all, it's about gaining and gaining so much more. It's not about weakness. It's about discovering what our true strength in him is. And that's the beauty of surrender. It's laying down our plans before God, not out of a sense of defeat. Okay, God, I, I, I clearly can't do it. No, no, but it's laying them down out of a sense of trust. I think when James says, what is your life? I think he's asking us to get our eyes off the temporary or what the future could look like and to get our eyes to change our, and put our perspective on a God who is eternal. That the plans and choices that we feel like we need to make about tomorrow, that if we raise our eyes and put them on a God who sees our forever. 
I'm not knocking on making plans. I wish our schedule was lighter. I do wish that. But just make sure when you're planning that you're including him in your plans. How do you include him? James kind of gives us, gives us this in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James isn't inviting us into this Christian catchphrase, if you will. I've, I've heard it say before, we even joked about it as staff. Um, you hear people say, well, you know, if the Lord wills, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll meet you there, if the Lord wills. But it's so much more than just a quick catchphrase. It's actively asking God, Lord, what is your will in my life today? How can I align my desires with your perfect plan? And James, he's nudging us, he's nudging us to remember our our place in this, that we're reminded that as much as we can plan and dream and envision the future, that there's this overarching narrative at play in all of our lives, in all the world. Our stories, while they're unique and certainly valuable, they're really a chapter in, in which is the whole entire story of God. Let that set with you for a moment. Whew. Verse 17, James, he's landing the plane here, as, as am I. He says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, he just, he just calls it out. He said, it, it is a sin for them. It's important as James is kind of closing this portion of his letter, when we, when we think of sin, we often think of the sin if, if you will, the, the sin of commission. I don't know about you, but when I think of sin, I, my, my mind quickly goes to all the things that I do wrong. Krista would tell you the same. She points it out, let's be real. But what James is referring here is, is something a little bit different, the sin of omission. It's not about what we've done but what we've left undone. It's the things that you, were knew, you, you knew you were supposed to do, but you just didn't do them. God called you to certain things and you just didn't follow through with it. Can I remind you that growing in Jesus is not just, a, just about avoiding all the bad stuff in this life, but it's also standing up and doing and being part of the good stuff that he's called you and only you to be a part of. It's the places that we know God is calling us into, yet we tend to leave him out. It's the silent spaces of inaction in our lives. And how many times have, have you felt that nudge? It's like, you know, Jordan, I, I know God is uh, kind of pushing me in this. And then time passes. Come back to that conversation. Did you, did you step into it? Oh, no, I mean, it's... It's too busy. It's, it's, not my, it's not my season right now. I can't, I can't step into anything like that. But that's what James is, is talking to. We can, 
we can do our best to try to avoid all the hiccups, the, the, the sin that so easily entangles us. But what he's also calling us to is like, hey, there are places and spaces that you need to step into. He goes as far as calling it out as a sin. Every time we neglect reaching out to somebody else or stepping in or doing something for somebody in need, we're not just missing out on the obedience of it, we're missing out on being a blessing to that person, that situation, whatever it may be. We're not just missing out on being obedient, we're missing out on being a blessing. We're missing out on seeing the joy of seeing God's work in and through our lives. When we step back and we leave God out, even leaving out his blessing that he wants to pour out into your life and into those around you. I'm gonna invite you guys to stand this morning. I'm gonna invite the, the, the worship team to kind of come up front as well. We got one more song this morning, but I wanna land on this. I was... As I read through these verses, this is kind of where God was directing me, and I wanted to bring it to this morning, to this time, to have this conversation. Where are you leaving God out of? I don't know if you're battling with this question or not, but I gotta say, if you are, I've been there right with you. Here's a couple of side notes I wrote down that I decided to kind of put in the message. How do we, how do we take steps in this? Here's a couple of things. Choose humility over pride. Choose humility over arrogance, self-importance. Remember, planning isn't of the enemy. Not at all. Number two, acknowledge the mist. Our world continually pushes us 10, step, 10 steps forward in every minute, every second. That we need to plan, that we need to predict, that we need to be prepared. And, and while that's good and there's wisdom and, and foresight and all of that, there's also beauty of being in the present. And God's constant, immediate presence over, over your life and my life. It's this way of saying, hey, I'm right there with you. And friends, he's right here this morning with you. In every heartbeat, and every breath that you have, he's with you. And perhaps he's designed our lives in, in, in such a way to remind us to, to mirror that presence, to, to, to be holy and fully present in our moments with him in this space but also out there with those around us. Number three, seek God's script. The truth is like, I've said it, God's writing a story over your life. As much as I think that I have the best narrative, the best plot line to my life, 
it fails utterly in comparison of what he wants to write for your life. So as we close chapter four here, I don't know about you, but for me in these past couple of weeks with these verses, there's been some soul checking. And this isn't a moment to stir your emotions, but I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is, once again, he's nudging us and he's asking us, where, where are you leaving me out of? Is it in your speech? Is it in your thoughts and your judgments towards others? Is it in your planning and, and all the success that you're trying to build for yourself individually or for your family or for those generations ahead of you? Are you acknowledging me in the process? Are you too concerned with the future that you're missing the present and, and the ways in which he is currently moving in your life? In just a moment, the prayer team's gonna be up front. And again, there's not this big kind of call this morning, but it's, it's, it's pretty pointed, I will say. And it takes one of humility. And if there is something that you wanna to bring to, to someone up here, one of our team members that wants to come alongside you, encourage you, and point you to Jesus, we're not here to, to slap you on the wrist. We're not here to cast judgment upon you, saying you could do better, you know to do better. That's not our take at all. We wanna celebrate what God is doing right in this moment with you. And if you feel need to come down front to say, hey, it's even sometimes repenting. Hey, I just need to tell somebody, here's what I've done wrong. Turning your feet, taking steps towards Jesus. That's what we're about. I'm gonna pray for us this morning. The band is gonna sing. It's gonna be incredible. But as they do, can you just take a moment, even if you don't sing right away, and ponder that question. Where are you leaving God out of? God, I thank you for, once again, this opportunity to come alongside your truth. Not that these are my words, but God, this is, this is your heartbeat. And so I just, I just thank you for, for the space, the safe, safe place that we have here. And uh, even if there is no movement in the next couple of moments, Lord, I pray for heart movement. God, that we would start asking the question for ourselves, Lord, this, this is where I'm leaving you out. And you're not a God of judgment. You're not a God of condemnation, but you're saying, hey, I'm right here with you. So God, we just humble ourselves now. Would you speak to us? Would you speak to us this morning? In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.